This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Luke 17, Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Well, there are certain things that you know you're supposed to do, but sometimes you forget. For example, my wife sometimes forgets to put the cereal away. Sometimes even forgets to close the box. But I can say this because she's not here. I know she's probably not watching. Uh, If you are, love you, honey. She's over in Scotland, so I really doubt she's watching. But there's a lot more things that I forget forget to sometimes put the toilet seat down, or do the dishes, or take out the trash. It's a long list. There's a lot more. We better better pause there. I sometimes also forget to floss my teeth. You're all like, oh, yeah. Then you get reminded when you go to the dentist. And as a result, I don't have the healthiest gums. So that should be an encouragement to, to do it. And I've gotten a little better, but I still sometimes forget. But even when we do those everyday tasks, we often do them kind of mindlessly. You know, we don't put a lot of thought or energy into them. We're thinking about other things, bigger things. Yet David Reynolds says, Dental floss gets used and thrown away without a thought, and yet the smallest, cheapest of objects serve us every day. They deserve our attention, proper use, and thanks. It isn't foolish to thank your dental flaws. Now, that might seem a little silly to do, but Mary Broussard uh, continues, we heard a little bit from her in our Words of Integration and Guidance, and says how different we might feel about our world after making a practice of saying hello and thank you to the refrigerator that hums while it keeps our food cool to the slippers that warm our feet on cold winter nights, and to the pen that expends all its ink so that we can express ourselves. The spiritual practice of gratitude gets a workout when we live consciously with things. And living consciously in this way can really create a sense of gratitude just to well up within us, even so that we might say to something as simple as the chair we're sitting on, 
Thank you. Thank you. And I think in this way, the simple act of saying thank you can be a very spiritual practice. Well, our text today features someone who carries out that practice, one person who says, thank you. And it happens in the context of a story about healing. And it can be easy to gloss over stories about healings in the gospel because they seem fairly commonplace. Or we can find ourselves focusing on the miracle side of the event, like, wow, look what Jesus did, and this is long before modern medicine. And then we may find ourselves using these stories simply to prove a certain theological doctrine. And there may be a place for that. There is a place for that. But we shouldn't end there, right, in reading a text like this. We shouldn't stop there. Because when we probe into just about any text in the Gospels, any situation involving Jesus, we find that there's nearly always some social injustice happening that he is addressing by his words or deeds. And if we're so focused on a predetermined theological outcome in reading the Gospels, we may well miss out on what was most important to Jesus in that moment. In fact, the liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez says, a theology which has as its points of reference only, quote, truths which have been established once and for all, and not the truth, which is also the way, well, such theology can only be static and in the long run, sterile. So how do we engage the text in a more life-giving way? Well, for me, it always begins with trying to uncover as much as we can about the original meaning behind the text, the original thing that was happening with Jesus in that moment, and with the authors as they attempted to convey what they experienced of Jesus in that moment. So that means taking into account background stuff, right? Historical context, political context, geographic clues, language things, linguistic, social, economic factors. All of these things can help us understand what's going on. And you might say, well, that's just too much work. But if we don't do that work, right, we're going to be selling ourselves short. It's like Jesus short. We need to have, as Gustavo Gutierrez puts it, a political hermeneutics of the gospel. And it was a lens through which we read the text, which takes into account all these multiplicities of factors. And if not, we'll miss out on what Jesus has to say about things that often we're still dealing with today. And we'll wind up with a Jesus who never makes us uncomfortable. Now, it may feel like I've done a bit of a 180 here. You thought, wait, I thought we were talking about dental floss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gratitude. We'll get there. But let's see how these various contextual dynamics are playing out in our gospel reading today. Luke provides us with some geographical context right out of the gate in our opening verse, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus is heading south in this in-between land. Galilee's up to the north, Judea and Jerusalem to the south. And Samaria was situated between these regions, and 
slightly west. And many Jews traveling between Galilee and Judea would take a longer route to get to Judea just so that they wouldn't pass through the lands of Samaria because of the bitter history between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, most first century Jews regarded the Samaritans as ignorant, superstitious, and outside of God's favor and mercy. And we're not told if Jesus is actually in Samaria. We know at times he does go into Samaria, but we know that he's at least close. And the text says they enter a village. We're not told which one. And as he enters the village, ten lepers approach him, and they call out to him from a distance. Well, why do they keep their distance? We know this, right? Many of us heard this story growing up in the church or at Sunday school even, and they had leprosy. And lepers, not only were they sick, right, but they were considered unclean. And unclean in the sense of uh, religious purity. And untouchable. Yes, that's right. I'm going to raise this up a little. Yes, exactly. And it's good to pause on that for a second, right, because they were considered unclean, that meant they were excluded from society, certainly from religious community, but also their own social community of family and friends. And on top of that, they were sick, right? There's nothing like having someone to take care of you when you're sick. So to be alone on top of all of that? And so not only did they have a disease that could range from annoying to potentially debilitating, they were made to withdraw from society and live in isolation. Many of them were subject to poverty because you couldn't work or hold a job while you were in this condition or in this state. And so there are social, religious, and economic factors all in play here in this encounter. Factors that help us understand more deeply what's going on. And so these sick Poor and isolated folks approach Jesus at a distance with a little bit of hope in their heart. And what these lepers have probably experienced more times than not, right, is disappointment, if not outright rejection from religious leaders. And yet verse 14 doesn't say, when he saw them, Jesus walked the other way. Or when he saw them, he avoided eye contact. No, it says, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. But why does he say this? Because Jesus knows the priests aren't going to want to have anything to do with these lepers who are considered unclean. Well, he tells them to go anyway. And the text says, as they went, they were made clean. Now, isn't that an interesting rendering? Let's say they were healed. They were made clean. But that included the healing. Healing not just of sickness, right? In this case, healing of so much more. And imagine, given all those barriers that stood before them, how incredible this must have been to each of these ten. Right? Imagine the relief, being able to finally go to see your family again, to go home again, to see your friends. And it's not just that you weren't sick anymore, right? It's that you weren't alone. Well, one of the ten lepers feels that joy and expresses it. Verse 15 says, Then one of them, 
When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He uttered the simple but powerful words, Thank you. Now it's kind of surprising that only one returns to express gratitude. Maybe the others were so overcome with joy that they ran home to see their family and their friends. And so perhaps the lesson here is simply be grateful. And I think that's part of it. But then Luke adds this little line, and he was a Samaritan. And he was a Samaritan. I bet Luke's audience was loving this story right up until that last part. <laughs> because Samaritans were the, the hated enemies. They were the outsiders to whom even Jewish marginalized folks would hold up a hand and say, okay, here's where we draw the line. So we have a foreigner, a hated outsider, who also has a physical ailment that leaves him more outside the bounds of the acceptable, who has had to isolate even further, who has no means of income, really could be labeled other in all capital letters because of all of these factors, any one of which would have been difficult. So is the lesson gratitude? Yes. But also, we have to learn from Jesus and uncover what he is showing us here. And in many ways, he's turning things inside out. He's reframing their whole notion of sinfulness. Jesus is saying it isn't a sin to be sick, which is more or less what was being said by rendering them as unclean and unfit to be with others, unfit to be in the presence of God. It isn't a sin to be sick. What is a sin is the act of exclusion itself. Whether that's based on ethnicity, economic status, a lack of health, or anything else. And so it seems to me that we have dual lessons to draw from our text today. One, Jesus calls us to dismantle whatever barriers and boundaries we erect to marginalized folks. And two, we can and must learn to live in gratitude and wonder, and sometimes it's the folks who are most on the edges who can teach us best how to do that. And so when we demand that our tax dollars should never go to provide health care for undocumented immigrants, we find ourselves opposing Jesus. When we demand that social programs are only for people who look like us, we find ourselves opposing Jesus. And when we demand that only people who agree with our religious views are worthy of inclusion, or even say salvation, then we find ourselves opposing Jesus. And the Samaritan reminds us that sometimes the lessons we need to learn the most can be taught the best by someone we weren't even going to let in the door. Remember the words we heard earlier of Elton Trueblood. I find that the one thing which I want to put into practice in my own life is the consciousness and the habit of finding someone to thank. Or the Jamaican spiritual teacher Muji who said, your mantra is thank you. Just keep saying thank you 
Don't explain. Don't complain. Just say thank you. Say thank you to existence. And maybe even to that dental floss. <laughs> Amen. Maybe so. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.